Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. A Playlist Original just watch me. The medium is the message. Proof is a proof. What kind of proof? It's a proof. It has no core identity. Smashed potatoes are no gravy. You know what I'm saying? Speaking uh, moistly on them. Hello and welcome to Just Watch Me. I'm Kate. And I'm Liv. And today on the podcast, we're talking about Michael Bublé. It's very exciting. Very Olivia, exciting. What is your relationship to Michael Bublé? I was a, I was a big Michael Bublé fan growing up. I loved Michael Bublé. I listened to his albums. I watched his concert live DVD. And when his Christmas album came out, it it rocked my world. I'm going to be honest with you. You're not alone. We have a whole section on the Christmas album. I'm glad we're doing this episode right now. It's the end of November mm-hmm. at the time we're recording this. And it's I think it's the perfect way to get into the holiday spirit. It certainly is. Absolutely. I feel as soon as I hear the, like, let's say begin, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas by Michael Buble, I'm, I'm immediately in the Christmas season. You're there. Mm-hmm. I feel Michael Buble to me is someone who... I was like, oh, Michael Bublé, because Michael Bublé is someone that your mom really likes, you know? No, Michael Bublé is someone I really like. Okay, my mom really likes, and I think (laughs) a lot of moms really like. And it took some maturing for me to realize that the reason is that he's great. But when you're like a teenager and your mom is really into something, you kind of just assume it's not cool. And now that I've matured, I know that Michael Bublé is cool. That's hilarious. No, no, I was full. I fully embraced him when I was really young. I thought he was cool mm. then. But I was also into that style of music, to be fair. But anyway, we love Michael Bublé now. It's impossible not to. I think he has one of those, I don't know, just one of those voices that really sticks in your head, a really distinct, Yeah. I don't know. It's a distinct sound, but it's not because it's a lot of different things, as he would say, that he's... He draws from so many different influences, yeah. but he has just one of those 
generational voices, mm-hmm. I would say. It's also the, the type of voice that makes you feel like kind of safe when you listen to it. I don't, I don't really know how to describe it better than that, but it's just you're never you're never worried about um, what's going to come out. It's just like very soothing. It's very reliable and very predictable to some in some respect. And I think that that makes it like quite safe and soothing to listen to. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. No, it makes perfect sense. And it's a great observation. All right, should we get into it? Let's do it. So Michael Bublé is a British Columbian. He was born in Burnaby to parents, Lewis and Amber. His father was a fisherman who was often away at sea, which I love that. It's interesting. Uh, he has <laughs> he has two younger sisters, Brandy and Crystal. Um, and because his father was often at sea, he was raised mostly by his mother, Amber, and his grandfather, uh, Demetrio. And Demetrio had quite a collection of classic jazz and soul records and music of the 40s and 50s. And his grandfather, Demetrio, is who really introduced him to that kind of music. Um, his biggest influences he cites are Ella Fitzgerald, Stevie Wonder, Frank Sinatra, Tony Bennett. Um, and he credits a lot of that to, to Demetrio. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I think he tells this really cute story about how, um, his family first discovered that he had a good singing voice and that they were all, you know, driving in the car and White Christmas was, was playing on the radio. And so the whole family was singing along. And then there was kind of, I guess, one point where he, his voice, stood out above the rest and everyone kind of turned up to him and looked and they were like, Oh, whoa, this, this kid's got some talent. And, um, and yeah, like you said that his grandpa became a really important influence, I think in, in fostering that talent and, you know, ended up kind of paying for his singing lessons and heralding him to go play in the clubs and stuff like that. Because of course, when he was quite young, the, the bars and clubs, they didn't want him to sing because he was underage and his grandfather traded his plumbing his plumbing skills or his plumbing I don't know contracting he contracted out his plumbing in exchange for Michael Bublé being allowed to sing at these institutions I just love that little piece um that he tried to trade his labor for uh stage time something I hadn't thought of and I'm honestly really resentful for my parents for not thinking about it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's like so random. I know. It's just so supportive, like just trying to give what you have. I don't know. It's also like it's a lovely. common thread that's gone through like a lot of Canadian stories, right? Like the underage yes. legend singing at these like places. Smoky clubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, He talks about being kind of a hockey teen. He was a, in a way, a typical Canadian a teenage boy, he really wanted to be a Vancouver Canuck, but he wasn't good enough. I'm so glad that you framed it that way music. because so many articles I read have been like, well, if Michael Bublé hadn't been singing, he would have been a professional hockey player. And I'm like, what? That just doesn't work like that. And also, like, no offense to Michael Bublé, but, like, he's he's not going to be a hockey player. Like, he's just not. Like, he just, he's not. I know a lot of other, in a lot of other places, like, little kids idolize athletes but I, I don't know maybe if that like the american press doesn't realize just how many how many little 
boys and girls want to be a hockey player on the local team in their area. Like that is a very specific, I don't know, Canadian experience, I think, of growing up. And it was also the British press, too, who really have no understanding. So I think that's part of it, you know. No. Like there are sports that are big in other places, but hockey in Canada is just. It's a distinct experience. It's truly a thing. Um, (laughs) So, yes, as you said, he was singing in nightclubs at just 16 And shortly thereafter, in 1996, he landed a role in a musical. Olivia? Oh, yes. I don't know about this musical. Do you know about this musical? No. So he landed a role playing, that's why I asked, playing Elvis in Red Rock Diner, which is the musical, which is playing in Vancouver. I feel like it's this was important. A fake musical. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a it's a no. Good, What's a fake musical? Like it's a just a collection or collage of Elvis Presley songs. Like it's I, it's not a musical I've ever heard of, which leads me to believe that it's a fake musical. Is that a fake musical or is that a jukebox musical, which you are morally opposed to? No, because there is an Elvis Presley jukebox musical called All Shook Up. Oh, <laughs> so that's okay. why I think it's a fake musical. Well, I think All Shook Up is a better name for an Elvis Presley musical than it's Red actually, Rock Diner. And, and to be fair to All Shook Up, like it's actually a pretty good show because, well, the episode, Elvis Presley's songs are pretty good. The only problem with it that I, I just I want to take a moment to point out is that Act 2 begins with um, Jailhouse Rock. And um, they're in a jailhouse and I, there's no connection to the rest of the plot, but they, it's important that they put that song in. So they're just randomly in a jail for the opening season, uh, opening scene of act two no thank you for um no thank you for that okay i'm glad that has nothing to do with um this but but thank you anyway at when he was in red rock diner he met his former fiance debbie timus timus i don't know this don't look uh, at me this performer uh miss debbie who was a dancer and singer in the production they moved to toronto together to perform in the musical forever swing We'll talk a little bit more about Debbie later, but this kind of leads me to his big break. I think a lot of artists, a lot of artists kind of resist this characterization, characterization of a big break because they work for so long and there's so many little opportunities, but. Well, especially Michael given who, to be fair. Yes. Because like he really did his time in the trenches and that's something that I didn't really realized to be honest because I mean he was like we'll talk about what his big break is but like you know he was 26 at the time like and we think I mean at the at the time when Michael Buble like kind of broke out let's say I was quite young and I thought of 26 as being like quite old (laughs) or like you know what I mean like I was like oh you know he hasn't really struggled for that long like he's like 26 but now I think being like having had the experience of like going to drama school and like being in the trenches like I can't imagine being in the trenches from the time of like 16 to 26 like 10 years is still a long time to like be singing in bars to be singing in cruise ships and um you know like doing the like really like horrible annoying stuff and like by that point your family's kind of looking at you going like okay when is this gonna happen are you making enough money like you have all those pressures so like I feel like that's something that's always kind of like, and he says this too, like grounded him because he had that time. And so then when fame came to him, spoiler alert, he, you know, gets a little famous. Um, he was a little bit better equipped to to take it on and not completely like fall apart. And he said that if he had been gotten famous a little bit earlier, he probably wouldn't be the same person he is today. 
think is interesting. He certainly emphasizes a lot on how he's very grounded. Mm -hmm. It's hard to know like how legit it is, but he always says he has lots of like regular people, friends, Canadian friends, you know, not just all those folks in the business. Totally. That's like important part of his conception of himself. I've picked up is that he is a grounded regular guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like a buble. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you though. Tell the good part of the story. The big break. And the reason that I, I know people have a hard time with the big break concept, but because of who he was introduced to, which is a person we will certainly be doing an episode on at some point. I ha- you have to think of this as a big break because of just the names involved. But Michael Bublé was invited to perform at a party for Michael McSweeney, who's an Ottawa titan. He was the former, I don't know, advisor to uh, Prime Minister Brian Mulroney. Uh, McSweeney started circulating his album and Brian Mulroney ended up with a copy. He ended up inviting Michael to sing at his daughter's wedding. And at... Brian Mulrooney's daughter's which daughter? Caroline. And at Caroline Mulrooney, now Attorney General of Ontario, Caroline Mulrooney's wedding, Michael Bublé met the the super like the superstar producer, a multi Grammy award winning producer, David Foster, mm-hmm. who also produced, like we should say. You know, the likes of Celine Dion, you'll recall that he was, you know, he featured in that episode. Barbara Streisand, Michael Jackson, Josh Groban. (laughs) He's also appeared on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. That's how famous he is. (laughs) That's how famous he is. Apparently, so the story is often told that like he met David Foster and the rest is history. But apparently that's, that's, yeah, apparently that's not exactly (laughs) what went down. Again, breaking down the big break myth. Yes, this is true. Thank you. But this is from, this is from Michael Bublé's mouth. Um, That, um, so apparently David said to him, Michael, you're really talented, but there's nothing I can do for you. There's no market for this type of um, genre. Like there's no market for jazz standards. Like you're not going to make any money. Like I'm not going to produce you uh, because it's going to be kind of like empty for me. But he said, you know what? Um, if you can raise, you know, a hundred thousand dollars per song that you want to record, I will, I'll produce it for you. And so Michael like just like took this as a challenge and he went back to Vancouver and he met with a series of, um, investors and banks and he did everything that he could to raise this money. And, uh, he came back. So he financed himself like that? For the first, for the first album. He raised. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And then. Uh, he came back and David Foster was like, well, sure. And, um, and so he produced this album for him. And then when he, they had the opportunity to meet in front of, uh, Warner brother executives, they, the Warner brother executives said the same thing. They said, you know, we already own all of Frank Sinatra's catalog. Why, why should we go with you? What, what, you know, what benefit are you going to add? And he apparently said, with all due respect, Frank Sinatra's dead, and I can help bring his catalog back to life. And so they signed him three days later or something like that. Frank Sinatra's dead. Frank Sinatra's dead. But it's actually funny because when you think that's pretty ballsy, it's pretty ballsy, but also it's pretty like, pompous. But also, like that's what that's the energy that these executives like are looking for. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it makes perfect sense to me that they'd be like, "This is our guy." 
because also it's funny because he, he really did do that though. He really did like revitalize that music. And so many of those songs, which are so classic and, and honestly probably would have lived on, you know, without um, Michael Buble, they're, you know, iconic, but he brought them back into the public consciousness. And like so many of my first experiences with those songs were because of Michael Buble, you know, and then I went backwards. So this first album, which was the self-titled record, was released in 2003. And as you said, had a lot of jazz standards, such as Fever, The Way You Look Tonight, For Once in My Life, Moon Dance, it was, I'll Never Find a lo- Another Love Like Mine. There was no original song on that first album, was there? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I feel like it was so. like all original. All so it did very well. <laughs> this first album went multi-platinum in many countries. Top 10 in the UK and Canada. And my favorite fact is how much the Australians love Michael Bublé. His first album went number one there. And allegedly, his Christmas album from 2001 has gone to number one every year since it came out in 2001. They love the Bublé. Uh, Anyway. It's also funny because I remember at this time, too, that Michael Bublé's songs these like these covers of these jail standards were literally in every movie. Like they were so like they were so just like everywhere. I felt like okay. The next album, two thousand and five, called "It's Time." Do you have any recollection of what's in this one? Yeah, no. This is this is a great this is a great album. Obviously, this um, this is his home album, right? Yes, this includes the song Home, which he co-wrote. It also featured Feeling Good, which I think of I think of when I think of Michael Bublé. I think of his version of Feeling Good. And a bunch of other standards. I actually don't – Feeling Good, I actually don't think of as a standard. I think of it as Michael Bublé's song because he did – like the whole opening thing that he did with it and the way that he changed that – like, I mean, he really, like, I think that's such a good example of, like, how he's, like, an interpreter and, like, he takes these songs and he makes them his own and redefines them in a way that's, like, you you can never, like, then go back and listen to the original one and ever think, like, that he didn't put, like, this unique spin on it. Like, they're just not the same. Especially, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but, you know, he covered the Beach Boys song, um... God only knows on his one of his more recent albums and he's like slowed it down and made it so um I just like I just love his covers of stuff like and I think uh, I don't know I don't know what to say other than that like I just I really love that he takes these songs and makes them his own you know like he doesn't just sing them like a jazz standard you know well I just love when people revisit Beach Boys specifically because people think of it as dumb like uh, dumb beach music and it is the exact yeah. opposite it is fucking god incredible. only knows is like genuinely one of the best songs yeah i would say though in this album it's time it looks like home is the only original song i think that that's right because i feel the rest are standards i feel like yeah. he was sort of taking dipping his toes into like doing some writing and trying to move away maybe from like that just, you know, like, you know, kind of like progress in his career with some like original songs. But like, I loved Home. I thought it was fabulous. It's a great song. This also has the song with uh, a duet with Nelly Furtado. Yes. Quando, quando, quando. I actually have heard that song a million times. And I don't love that. I didn't but know I love it was. I didn't know it was her on song. 
Yeah, like I didn't know. I think I'm pretty sure my mom owned this. I, I, I grew up listening to this album. I, I did grow up listening to a lot of Michael Bublé's music. Next, 2007, we get... I feel like I can only sing this. Call me irresponsible. I say those and I hear his voice like, call me. Um, I feel like this one didn't have as many like really, really memorable songs. Like it's time. Honestly, is like every song is like a bop. Yeah. Call me. uh, There's I really like a lot of these too. This has the best is yet to come. It had better be tonight. Me and Mrs. Jones. Call me irresponsible. I love me and Mrs. Jones. Wonderful tonight. I've got the world on a string. Oh, always on my mind. That's a oh, he is a, a beautiful version of I that. Agree. And the only original song on this one is Lost, which he wrote with Jan Arden. Love a Canadian connection. And Lost was supposedly inspired by Miss Debbie Timus, who uh, he wrote this song after their engagement ended in 2005. And we should say that she inspired the song Home during Happier Days. And she appeared in the music video. Yeah. And a fun fact about Miss, me and Mrs. Jones while we're talking about his ex-girlfriends is that Emily Blunt apparently was singing background vocals on that song. Me and Mrs. Jones. Some of the famous ladies he's been connected to, one of the famous ladies he's been connected to is Emily Blunt before she met the love of her life. John Krasinski. They're one of my favorite. Yeah, no, mine couples. too. Mine so too. I, I love Emily Blunt and I love Michael Bublé, but I love Emily Blunt and John Krasinski more. So I'm, I'm But okay. I love that they're no longer together. Yeah, I'm okay with like that she's found happiness with someone else. <laughs> Me too. She deserves it. Especially after Michael Bublé was not so nice to her. Allegedly. Um, no, he admits it. The sure. song, everything. I think that there was like some crazy speculation at times about like what actually happened. And I don't know. It's all seemed to be like a little more tame than. I don't I don't know how he's okay, so first of all, Happy Days Everything was written about Emily Blunt. He has now admitted that he did cheat on her. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around 200 to 300 Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to 200 in fee-free overdraft with the Chime checking account. Sign up today at Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Okay. Apparently, photos of him and another woman, I don't know how scandalous, in bed, in some capacity, surfaced. Um, but no, he's admitted that he cheated on her and he admitted that he was a, a real dick to women in the past. He has been very open about that and he said he has received karma for it and he's become a better man. I did hear that. I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> Happy for him. I don't know either. But they were together for three years. Yeah. She, I don't think she's ever said anything about it 
she Howard Stern really pushed her when he was on her show and she just kind of said no I don't want to talk about it like it's yeah yeah I don't know she was kind of coy she's a classy lady and he actually she's very classy but he has come out admitted that he did cheat on her and that he was a real dick to her and some of the other women um that he's been with he almost kind of brags about it a little bit though in, in my opinion when he was on Graham Norton but or no sorry he was on well, he, he did talk about it on Graham Norton as well, but he also talked about it. He did plead the fifth, Andy Cohen, and he answered all the questions, <laughs> um, which I don't know why he answered all the questions. But anyway, he has been open about it, and he says he's become a better man. Okay. 2009, we get Crazy Love, which features Haven't Met You Yet. And I think that's the only, that's also the only original song. There is some kind of wonderful on this one. I really liked this album. I did. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Oh, Crazy Love is Van Morrison's song. Georgia on my mind. All of me. Um, I in this his cover of Cry Me a River is is excellent. It is very good. Oh, oh yes. sorry, I misspoke. Um, Hold on, it's also okay. Well, we're just going song. a deep dive into this album. All I do is dream. All I do but, is dream of you. I loved his cover of the song. That's obviously from the Singing in the Rain, and um, oh, it's so good because he like slows it down. He really makes it his own. It's one of my favorite songs from Singing in the Rain, anyway. But he like really does a new take on it. I really like. I think I, at one point I. I think some people are maybe more critical of him because he doesn't have a lot of original music. But what he does with the jazz standards is like honestly magical for a lot of these songs and like i am i for one am glad that he like in the early 2000s is i don't know revitalizing this music nothing needs to be revitalized but reimagining it and making it interesting in other ways i don't know i i love that he does this and i think that he's excellent at what he does um let's talk a little bit about haven't met you yet that's one of the singles off this album it's also one of his He's a music video for it. Uh, and it's important because that was written about his now wife, Luciana Lopilato. Uh, he wrote this while they were dating and she appears in the music video. And shortly after the music video drops, they they get engaged in 2009 and they are married in Buenos Aires in I remember this being like such a big moment when he came out that he was dating her and she was in the music video. Like it was just like so exciting because it was like a little piece of his life. She was so beautiful. I just remember being like seeing this music video for the first time and just being like, oh my God, this is so cool. And the video is really, it's really cute. No, it's like very, it's very wholesome vibes. Yes, very wholesome. 2013, we get To Be Loved, which features. It's a Beautiful Day, which is another original. You Make Me Feel So Young. Something Stupid with Reese Witherspoon. Who's Loving You? Have I Told You Lately That I Love You? <laughs> You've Got a Friend in Me. It is really good. And again, I think the only original song is It's a Beautiful Day. And but I, I think that, honestly, I know that you said he was he was critical he was criticized sorry for his lack of original songs. But I do feel that if you're singing such like iconic songs all the time, it must be hard to 
write another song that you feel is like up to par with all these other songs and like matches the level of like greatness in an album. So it does make sense to me that he's so, um, he's very like um, thoughtful about putting out original music and wanting it to rise to the same level and be the same kind of like, you know, have the same staying power like a something like home does, you know, and everything. We didn't talk about everything. I'm not sure if that's an original, but yeah, it was. It was written it was written by Michael Bublé. Like those songs like they're they're iconic. Yeah, everything is is written about Emily Blunt. Well, not supposedly. Home. They are they are great songs. I think I think that his original music is awesome and I like that he is, you know, so careful. Let's talk about his personal life and family. We already talked about how he met, how and when he met his now wife, um, the Argentine actress Luciana Lopilato. And the story of how they met is like kind of crazy, actually. Tell it. He like, he literally just saw her and was like, that's the most beautiful woman ever. I want to. He's he's correct. Yeah, she's stunning. Um, and obviously she, at the time that they met, she really only spoke Spanish and he didn't speak any Spanish. And... Um, I think that she was, they were at um, a concert or something and she, he saw him, her backstage and she apparently, he apparently texted someone saying like, I've just seen the most beautiful woman in the world. And then it, and it just so happened that they ended up at the same like after party, but she was with another guy there and Michael Bublé was trying, it thought it was his, it was her boyfriend. Yeah. But he wasn't Bublé. And, and. So Michael was like kind of talking to this guy and the, he was kind of translating between the two of them. And then it eventually came out that it wasn't her boyfriend. And then Michael made his his move. I just find it so weird, though, when couples don't have a language in common and they're like, we just figured it out. And I'm like, how? Like, I get they used like apps and translating and body language and stuff like that. But like, what what did you have in common? Like all, all you don't you just like how do you just like talk I don't know I just like always find that like a little weird I'm like I I get it she's like obviously stunning but like I just felt like they communicated a lot probably through the language of love you know what I mean but you don't like that's the vibe it gives me (laughs) what do you know I don't know what what you mean what do you mean what do you do like you can't talk so like what do you do they've stayed together they have three children Noah Elias and Vida in 2016, Noah was diagnosed with liver cancer at just three years old. Michael has – he took a a pretty long break from public life and performing to just kind of be there this for and with This was like devastating when it came out. Um, and he had just – he had just released an album too. And he was – had all these plans uh, for touring. But he literally just canceled without a, without a second thought. It was like – it was a pretty shocking time, you know? Um, and luckily, after, like, a very long road, Noah has fully recovered and seems to be doing very well and seems to be a very happy, healthy eight-year-old. Uh, but it was really devastating for their family, and Michael has spoken publicly about it quite a bit. Um, obviously very emotional about it, and I'm just so glad that his little boy is seems to be okay now. Yeah, so I I I feel like we sh- would be kind of remiss just not to mention that during COVID, him and his wife were going live multiple times a week, and there was one incident 
um, where they were on live and he kind of like nudges her in like a very aggressive way when she like allegedly like interrupts him. It's a, it's very, I have to say the video is very off-putting. Like it's, it's not nice to watch. But she's come out twice and said, no, there's nothing to worry about. Like, there's no, like, abusive behavior here. Um, I'm fine. Um, So it's kind of a difficult thing to grapple with because obviously, like, you know, if she's saying these things, then I feel like I have to take her word for it. And there's nothing to, you know, I don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? But it was, it was, it was a little troubling to say the least. But it's also, you know, like it, it can't, it could just be the case that, you know, they're going live every day and, you know, we're all stuck inside. There's some tension, you know, or obviously it could be something more, a little bit deeper. It's tough. It's just, it's tough to say. And it's not my place to say what's going on. I have literally no idea, but uh, interesting nonetheless. And he's, he's never publicly spoke about it. And just watching that, that clip, I feel like I need to. To respond and apologize, I think because I can't spell, I wrote it in my notes as Luciana, but it's Luisana. So apologies to her. I've been saying her name wrong this entire time. Anything oh yeah, there was also the Corn uh, on the Cob scandal, <laughs> you know, where he was eating it from the top. Corn on the Cob Gate, where he's at like some carnival, um, Louisiana, and she or he's eating corn on the cob like um, like a sausage as opposed to like eating it like vertically instead of horizontally and um people were not best pleased to say the least no i think it, a lot of memes were like if you ever feel bad about yourself like just remember that michael Bublé doesn't know how to eat corn anyway it was also like he also looks kind of funny like he's wearing like a backward tat which like isn't a super common vibe for him you know <laughs> um speaking of memes of michael buble it's time to talk about the christmas album when we went through some of these albums we noticeably left off a critical piece of michael buble's contribution to the culture and that is his christmas album from 2001 titled uh very creatively christmas and it's become a, a, an iconic I think internationally an iconic Christmas album. As I said, it goes number one in Australia pretty well every year. And it's it's a great Christmas album. What's your favorite song? Honestly, I can't tell you. Like I feel like it changes it changes every year because I like re-engage with it every year. Um most recently I think I've really been enjoying the when actually when it first came out and him and Shania Twain had a had the duet with um for White Christmas, I really didn't yeah, I actually didn't like it when it came out because I felt like it deviated too much from the original and I and I love that song. Um, but now that I've sat with it for 10 years, I actually, I love that version. I love that song. I love that version because I really like her performance in it as well, which I also didn't always like her performance in it, but I've revisited that and I really enjoy it. I love that. There's a lot of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas as very nice. Very I also nice. liked that he introduced me to some new Christmas songs on that album um, that are like very famous songs, but like I just had never really encountered them, like uh, Cold December Night. Um, he wrote that. Oh, well, I love it. 
with his um i should say i haven't mentioned he his co-writer alan chang has i think co-written maybe all of his original songs that i've looked at so far and he's done he's just recently done the 10 10 oh my god the 10th anniversary album of uh christmas with some new songs he re-recorded let it snow because he felt like he didn't like the original time he recorded it so i'm excited to engage with that this christmas season and he's got a couple new ones which i briefly listened to but you know so is it already yeah, out i, I just the, the 10th anniversary what oh awesome well yes it's it's always what gets me in the christmas spirit i love this album it's become Completely mm-hmm. memeified, though. So, what it's come to mean to the culture? There's a very, like, very famous meme, and it's a, it, it's, <laughs> it is funny. It's a picture of a cave, and Michael Bublé. He's also posing in kind of a funny way. Is like coming out of the cave and. The text is, Christmas is coming, Michael Bublé emerges from his cave. And every year, this meme resurfaces on social media. Um, And there's also, like, a lot of other kinds of memes, like from Game of Thrones as well. Brace yourself, Michael Bublé Christmas songs are coming. Um, But this one meme with him coming out of the cave has become famous so much so that there's also a meme that comes around every year that's a meme of the meme coming out of the cave. It's that time of year when the Michael Bublé cave meme emerges from its cave. (laughs) I don't know. People have just become obsessed with this idea of Michael Bublé and Christmas. And I think it's also like this. I think it's also to do with the vocal quality that you talked about with, um, the way that his he has this very soothing, buttery voice that just makes you feel like you're at home. And I think that's why his voice is so perfectly paired with Christmas and Christmas time and why that's probably stuck around. Um, and I love his Christmas music. I know we kind of make fun of it, but um, just because it's become just so synonymous with Christmas, but I love it. I don't know. I'm yeah. not over and it. It's, I'm still it's, into it. This is... this is what I've actually learned as my time as an entertainment lawyer, specifically working in music is that every artist aspires to have a great Christmas album or even at, yeah, or at least even one song because the thing, and, and you'll like, we articulated this in our conversation that like so few songs really have true staying power But Chris, even if they're huge hits at the time, right? Like they, you know, maybe age out or, you know, just the the royalties dwindle over time, right? That's just how it works. But Christmas songs get revived every single year. So in every artist's uh, catalog, their Christmas songs are often the highest performing. And so the fact that Michael Buble has had a Christmas album, no less, that has basically dubbed him... Mr. Christmas, as a result, um, you know, he doesn't need to do anything ever again. He's going to be able to retire and his kids will never have to work because of this Christmas album. It's it's pretty it's amazing. Right. It's the gift. Yes, it's it truly is. the gift that keeps on giving. Yes, it is. And I think it's also why he's like embraced Mr. being Mr. Christmas so much and why Mariah Carey is trying to be the queen of Christmas so desperately. 
There's another famous meme that's like Michael Bublé and Mariah Carey in the Christmas yeah. album Death March. Who will win? And I think 100%. the answer. Like, I'm sorry. Mar- the answer I was actually Bublé. thinking about this while we were preparing for this podcast. Like Mariah Carey has really only one great Christmas song, whereas Michael Bublé like truly has a whole album. No. I know she has a couple. Okay, whatever. No. Well, let's give her a couple songs. But no, I know what you mean. But yeah, all I want for Christmas is you. But also, what's the other really big one? Oh, her version of Christmas Baby Please Come Home. Okay, That's also I, I original do. Song. Yeah, I do like that one. That's, That's the other thing. Mariah Carey has original That's Christmas true. songs that have now become original. So you know, do I still think that the Michael Bublé wins the? The battle to the death, yes. But I think we really can't – I don't think it's fair that we can we, – we can't undervalue Mariah Christmas – Mariah Carey as the Queen of Christmas and a, and a Christmas music giant because she has original Christmas songs. And I have, like them. You know, which have really broken yes, through to the agree. culture. And they're I also good. I do like them. But that's fair. I think All I Want for Christmas is You and Christmas brackets, baby, please come home. We're probably the only – I'm gonna be honest. I, I like Santa um, Baby. No, only songs of hers no, that not, I actually not her Santa version Baby. of Santa Baby. Um, it's like um, Santa. Da, 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 da. I don't know. I don't even remember. I think it's called Oh Santa. It's very Mariah Carey. I don't know how okay. to articulate it than that. It wasn't as successful, but honestly, it still plays every year. She's still making money off of it. Anyway. Back to Michael Bublé. Yeah, Final big thoughts fan. I also Bublé. like how he's so easy to make, like, he's so quick to make fun of himself. I feel like that makes him, like, quite charming. Like, the bubbly commercials, whoever thought that that was a, whoever thought of that campaign, genius. Brilliant. I love it. Well, I think it's also they're benefiting from Michael yeah. Bublé actually being very funny. And he, I think he is. I watched a lot of interviews with him preparing for this. I I do think he's not just charming. I think he's genuinely funny. He's also a, a self-professed and obvious based on how he talks and how he communicates with comedians. He's, he's actually a comedy fan. It's funny. I feel like uh, that's the thing that comedians say as that um, comedians want to be rock stars and rock stars want to be comedians. But it's very true. Like, he is a big big comedy fan and a real funny guy yeah. and a lovely personality um yeah he is, and he is mr. In my heart, mr christmas and i can only hope that he does come mm-hmm. out with another christmas album before he like truly retires i would really like he's only 44 no, totally. too he like could, he's also he very young definitely like <laughs> do a full other christmas album i'm actually surprised for the t- maybe for the 20th anniversary he'll do it um yeah, I feel like he's so he he would be so careful to like make sure that it was worthwhile. But there's enough Christmas songs, and if he could write like a really good original one, I I would just like love to have another Michael Bublé Christmas album that was like lived on, you know. If you want to keep up with us in between episodes, you can follow us at Just Watch Me Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Send us your thoughts and feelings about the show at justwatchmepodcast at gmail.com. And it really helps us if you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. 
Thanks. See you next week.